0: Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Why the trade for Rodney Hudson will be the most important move the Cardinals make this offseason, at least in my opinion. And yes, it has everything to do with Kyler Murray. In fact, a lot of what has happened thus far has been with Murray in mind. Also, the impact relationships have when players are deciding where they want to continue their career. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 407, and it starts now. Dakota Martin, Quentin Harris, Dave Pash, and who am I leaving out? Oh, that's Yourself, right. Myself, Craigson the, the Syracuse Cardinals. A wonderful weekend, MJ, as Syracuse onto the Sweet 16. Yes, Bird Gang, I know no one cares, but considering the number of Orns that are in that locker room or in the front office or on the broadcast, hey, we had to start the show with that. So tip of the cap to everyone involved. And now it's on to face Houston in the Sweet 16.
1: Craig growing up in in Western New York, so really Niagara Falls, Syracuse is probably about 75 minutes away. And you know, people don't realize that we didn't have a lot of Division One schools. We had Niagara University, Canisius, smaller conferences. So, you know, I always Syracuse was always on, and Beheim seems like he's been there forever. And now we're seeing his son real quick here, but. I became a St. John's fan because I was able to go see them play Chris Mullen, Walter Berry, uh, Louis Karnaseka, uh, I mean, Shelton Jones. It, so I, I got a chance to meet those guys at the, at the uh, Niagara University Arena. So, but it, Big East was huge growing up. Villanova, you know, um, you look at Raleigh Massimino, just, uh, just some great matchups. And now the conference is ACC. So, yeah, it's, Syracuse, though they play that zone, it may not be pretty, but they win.
0: All you need is an opportunity to get in the dance, in the car, the uh, excuse me, the Syracuse Orange, they squeeze in, and uh, well, they're still alive. Other than that, MJ, this weekend was fairly quiet, at least on the NFL side. Yes, there was the Kenny Galladay move to the Giants, but as far as the Cardinals, after a flurry of activity. Things have definitely settled down, which they tend to do after that first wave of free agency. What hasn't slowed down, and this this I find interesting, and it maybe has even picked up a little steam, the future of one Larry Fitzgerald. There is growing speculation that perhaps Fitz may choose to play elsewhere next season if he decides to play at all. To this, you say what? Nonsense.
1: <laughs> no, I, I mean, Greg, I did radio for a long time. I understand, but I think it's Larry made it known. Um, and if he's going to return again, I don't want to speak for him, but if he's returning, it's only to the Arizona Cardinals. All that stuff is this fairy tale. It's speculation, hypotheticals. I mean, uh, uh, we talked about this in January. He He's weighing his options. They said it's going to take some time. I don't think we thought this long, to be honest. But he does have some opportunities working with the network and it's a matter of, do I want to play football one more year? And we talked about last year it was kind of a grind, just the whole virtual and, and then him getting COVID and then missing, you know, uh, you know the last game possibly of his career. But I don't think that, you know, like he didn't get the great send off and I get that, but he played 16 years there. So, I mean, I, again, I don't know the rhyme and reason if he, unless he thinks his team is close and he's willing to put his hand in the pile. But. Um, again, he's just weighing his options. Yeah, I mean, got- he's he's visible. He goes to Suns games. <laughs> I know he's got a you know minority ownership there. He's been taking his son. Initially, he couldn't take anybody, but he's able to take his son now. So it's not like we don't see him. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't think he's traveling outside the country. So like that would be that would be Barry Sanders, right? Didn't he send a fax to the to the Kansas City paper because they covered him at Kansas State?
0: I think so. That seems to ring a bell. That's the other aspect of this, that maybe he just disappears and rides off into the sunset and we never hear from him again. Yes, we've seen him either one at a golf course or two, as you mentioned, sitting courtside at Suns games. Other than that, he's been basically MIA and has not said anything, which is his prerogative. It's just interesting because first it's, oh, you know, Tampa Bay and chance to chase a ring with Tom Brady. And then Patrick Peterson goes to Minnesota. Hey, you know what? That's Fits his hometown team. Maybe he joins his good friend in Minnesota. It's like, okay, just, I like what you said. Fairy tale. That is the apropos word, phrase, if you will, because I think he's been very clear and adamant. If he plays, it will be for one organization. If he was going to leave, it was five years ago, six years ago. But at this point in his career, He's not picking up and going elsewhere. I just, I can't see it. It's a 99.9% chance that he stays with the Cardinals if he plays.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't like you word never, but I just, that would be everything against what he's talked about. Now, if I would not begrudge a guy that if he wants to go win a ring, um, but there's no guarantee. Uh, I don't see him having a role in Tampa. I mean, nothing, no disrespect. Uh, I kept hearing about Patrick Peterson going to Tampa. I guess people really didn't look at their their cornerbacks. Yes, he knows Todd Bowles, loves B.A., but this is a business, and they're trying to get back to the Super Bowl. So, you know, again, uh, I can can understand people connecting the dots, but the fact that Larry and Patrick would be a a package deal, again, I I, I never say never, but I I just – it would surprise me if he wore another uniform. Again, if he wants to go get a ring, I would not begrudge him. But everything he said is one uniform only. And as you said, he had plenty of opportunities if he would have walked in there and said, I want to get a trade.
0: It was a shock to see Luis Gonzalez in another uniform as we talk about sports legends, if you will, or icons here in the state of Arizona. Now, Shane Doan never left the Coyotes, and I think that is what we anticipate with Larry Fitzgerald. It's either the Cardinals or nothing, but the longer this lingers, and of course it's good talk show fodder that you have to come up with topics and i get all that and then you got other teams speculating looking at the free agent market and going hey we need a number two a number three wide receiver and well why not you know let's find a connection so i get all that it's just it's fascinating to listen to and read but Berg gang, you can uh, mark our words here on cardinals cover Two. it's not happening it is one organization and one organization only now there was a departure Since our last show here on Cardinals Covered 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And this, MJ, I'm not too happy about just because I've been banging the drum for this gentleman to re-sign because I think he has a connection with Kyler Murray. But tight end Dan Arnold has agreed to terms with the Panthers, according to reports. Two years, $6 million. Now, he does have a connection with the Panthers. Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, was with Arnold when he was playing with the Saints and Brady when Brady then was the Saints coach there is some familiarity there but uh this one this one stings not only does it leave a big hole in that tight ends room but you lose a down the middle target as far as someone who can catch the ball over the middle of the field and we saw that over the last year and a half
1: you know, just looking at, you know, the connection when he arrived, we talked about how Kyler Murray trusted him and, you know, you go through the year and sometimes he wasn't even looking at certain guys, maybe just they weren't on the same page. But as soon as he arrived in the scout team, he was, he turned everyone's head within 10 or 10, 10 days or two weeks, they put him on the active roster. So I, I really like the connection there. And, you know, that's kind of the future of that position. Now you can get the Travis Kelsey's and Rob Gronkowski's, but it seems like, you know, you, you got to do a little bit of both, and we know Max Williams is more of a blocker, so it it is it is a loss to the Cardinals, and Darrell Daniels is, is still a free agent, so yeah, because those are the guys you want to develop. I mean, they were able to get him, you know, off the, the scrap heap, so to speak, and they claimed him and they brought him in, and the next thing you know, I I thought he had a bright future, and you know, there was speculation that the Saints could have brought him in as the backup tight end because they wrote that Sean Payton had told people I like what Arnold did in that Cardinals offense. So I thought, you know, again, relationships, familiarity, and, you know, um, I don't know what the Cardinals were offering, but the fact that he got two years, 6 million, I mean, that's good for him considering he was, you know, he was an undrafted free agent or he, he was a guy that obviously was on a weekly or yearly contract. So now he gets a little security, but Definitely a loss. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see what they're going to do there because it's another position you got to have not only depth, but you got to have somebody that can do a little bit of both. And right now, I would say Williams, Darrell, excuse me, Darrell Daniels and Williams, yeah, they're more to the blocking side. And, you know, maybe they're going to try to go four wide. But with, with the idea, with the promotion of Sean Kugler, I still think they want to go a little bit of 11 and 12 personnel. And that means
0: going big. Well, then maybe a Dan Arnold because of his lack of blocking ability compared to a Williams or a Daniels. If you bring Darrell Daniels back, he's also an unrestricted free agent. Seth DeValve is an unrestricted free agent. You do have Ian Bunting on the roster. He was signed to a futures contract. So maybe maybe this is a departure from the outside looking in, but if you're in those meetings talking with the coaching staff, excuse me, you're like, well, maybe we don't really have a need for that pass catching tight end. We need blocking tight ends who, in a pinch, after a chip or a quick block, can get over the middle and make that catch. But maybe we don't need them to run ten, fifteen, twenty yards down the field and catch the ball in traffic.
1: Yeah, and and, and Daniels, I think he's a little underrated. Um, you know, he's made the team playing on teams, but you know, besides maybe he had that one uh Bonehead penalty and a couple drops. He had that great catch in the end zone. Wow. I mean, he came down with the ball. What a throw by Murray. So, so it's not like you're tipping your hand. And again, they can also bring in an extra lineman if they choose to. But you're, I mean, you know, to me, Arnold was a matchup um, when you get linebackers and safeties. But clearly, they want to win at the line of scrimmage. And and, and listen, Max Williams caught a couple of good passes. I remember one on the, on the deep sidelines. He almost scored a touchdown there. So, um, You know, they got an idea, but it it just seems like maybe they figure with the, you know, with knowing that they were going to sign a receiver, and then they're hoping that Andy Isabella or Keyshawn Johnson, I'm I'm going to keep mentioning Jojo Ward. I know he's probably uh, buried on the depth chart, but he's got some speed. So maybe they just felt like, you know what, we're going to go bigger, and then we're going to try to get some, some athletes on the outside. Again, I don't know, but clearly he was a free agent, and he chose to go
0: to Carolina. And let's not, you know, sit here and say Max Williams can't catch the football. It's just when we're comparing the tight ends in those rooms, there are some guys that did other skill sets better than others. And it was always Max Williams, the blocker, Dan Arnold, the catcher. It's certainly a skill set that Max Williams can do. And the more we sit here and discuss it here without hearing from any of the coaching staff, maybe it is, to your point, more tight ends literally in a three-point stance and staying in to block and protect Kyler Murray or open up a running lane for Chase Edmonds or whomever is carrying the football.
1: Well, even go back to Max Williams' first year, and unfortunately, he dropped that; he couldn't see the ball in the sun. But they did throw it to him, and and again, you he can sit at the line, and then he can release. I mean, he was effective. We look at what happened in Minnesota with Kyle Rudolph, but he's effective. It's not like he he can release and go off for a pass, and a lot of times they get open once you 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 you, you engage. Um, to slow down the pass rush, you can release, and that's something where Kyler's got to get better at that 10 to 19 over the middle. Um, but you can you can throw an out pass to him. And no, listen, he's he's not just a one trick pony. I just he's meat and potatoes when Dan Arnold's in the game. You know he's going to give you an extra protection. Uh, and they did go to more two tight end sets, and that was probably a, a mixture of Daniels, Arnold, and Williams.
0: We talked about Darrell Daniels and Seth DeValve as unrestricted free agents. If you want to keep track of all of the Cardinals free agents and of course the acquisitions that they make here in the offseason we invite you to go to azcardinals.com free agency the free agency tracker has you up to date on everything the Cardinals have done so far here as we are getting closer and closer to April when we will kind of more transition into a draft focus but still free agency front and center and it continues to be here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We have, since our last show, game have had a chance now to hear from all of the players that the Cardinals have acquired or re-signed in terms of Marcus Golden and Kelvin Beecham. But we have seen, excuse me, we have heard from Rodney Hudson and Matt Prater, the two newest additions for the Cardinals. And I want to get into some things that Hudson had to say and then just my viewpoint. I don't want to speak for you, MJ, but There's been a lot of newness and a lot of excitement for what the Cardinals have done this offseason and began with the addition of J.J. Watt. But for me, and I think we did say it when the trade was made official, that it might not capture a lot of the headlines or a lot of the attention because there aren't very many highlights for centers. People look to the skill position or for interceptions. But I'll give everyone a lot of credit because I think this Rodney Hudson move certainly moved the meter and people are talking more about it than I anticipated. But for me, right now, Rodney Huntson is the most important player the Cardinals have added to their roster this offseason.
1: Yeah, it's I uh, you know I I go one and one a I I you know clearly they wanted to get more physical in the trenches and by going out and getting JJ Watt and we talk about Zach Allen healthy Jordan Phillips and then lucky foe2 and Rashad Lawrence and we'll see what about Corey Peters so and and I think the rush defense will be an improvement um, and then we'll see what these linebackers can do clearly you got to get some corners but they have time for that again they don't play this week so um, and then, I, but again, when we look at Rodney Hudson, I mean, he's been doing this for the last four, five, six years. I mean, nothing against JJ Watt; he played all sixteen games. But he, over the last five years, he's missed thirty-two. This guy is in ninety-three point six. He's played over a thousand snaps. Four of his last five seasons, including twenty twenty, where he ranked uh, among third in NFL centers with over a thousand eighty-one snaps and you're talking about um you know they finished eighth in their uh rushing and they had the 10th fewest loud sacks last year 28. so for the second consecutive year the raiders had four thousand yard passer a thousand yard receiver and a thousand yard rusher in 2020 and he is going to command uh respect he's going to protect obviously kyle murray this is the best thing for kyle murray because you're talking about a guy that's done it at a high level and you know, however it all transpired uh, in Vegas, whether he was going to get traded or released or he didn't want to take a pay cut, he didn't want to talk about that. And I know that he's motivated on being here. And he did talk about having a relationship with Brinson Buckner, who spent some time with the Raiders, um, also when they were in, in Alameda. And then, you know, the fact that I asked him, I said, how, how much is when you're going to a new team, how You know, Do you talk to someone? Do you have to be comfortable? And he said, yes. So it's little things. But yeah, I I can't argue with that. I just think it's one on 1A what they're going to both do because the rush defense should be better. The rush offense should be better. And to me, that's where they got to get better at. They got to be better and physical at the line of scrimmage.
0: Hudson was almost matter of fact when he was talking with the media. And yes, he's excited to be here. And however it transpired to your point, MJ, it doesn't matter. He's wearing an Arizona Cardinals uniform at least for the next two seasons because he is under contract through 2022. I did find this interesting because he was asked about Kyler Murray and he mentioned that Murray reached out to him, which I think is huge. Because we talk about, what's that word? Relationship. And the most important on-field relationship is quarterback and center. They have to be on the same page. And to hear that Kyler, without being told, reached out to the newest addition and the fact that Rodney Hudson exchanged text messages, it wasn't Hudson who first texted Murray, it was Murray who texted Hudson. I think that speaks volumes to not only the leadership of a young Kyler Murray, but also the learning and now entering year three, understanding what he needs to do in order to take that next step.
1: Yeah, let's just go back a little bit. So the offseason comes, we know Kyler Murray, you know, had that injury and looked like he probably had to get rehab for a couple of weeks. Uh, The good news, no surgery. But, you know, Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl, right after the Super Bowl, talked about, you know, in, in, in fairness, the Chiefs, didn't have their, their right or left tackle, but obviously that played into what the game was. And you could see that Todd Bowles was getting pressure with just four. So Kyler retweets that, you know, and it wasn't just about adding offense, about getting better in the trenches. And then the whole JJ Watt thing, I believe in you. I'm, I'm You're part of the reason why I'm coming here besides the money and, and the role and getting back with Vance and everything. And then so Kala wasn't just, oh, that's not an offensive guy. that's defense. And then this, I mean, he, again, they, they went after Corey, Corey Lindsley, and within 12 to 14 hours, things changed. And I, And I know he's three years, two years younger. Eventually Hudson will be 32. he's 31 now. Uh, Lindsley's 29, and we talked about Brian Bolago, who played with him at the Packers, so there's a little bit of a relationship there. But I don't know if you could have come out of that any better. And I, and I made a comment that the Cardinals did not get desperate. Uh, I didn't know at the time that Alex Mack did have a relationship with Shanahan, so that was probably a done deal. And then Nick Martin was out there, again, 42 to 45 snaps, and Cardinals have done well from Texans, guys, at least the last couple so the fact that they they made a point to go out and offer a third-round pick when you only have five picks and then they end up getting a seven and said, listen, we're going all in. And it's not like it's $15 million a year. It's 9 or 10 It's It's really similar to what he would have made maybe a million less and with incentives in there and if he goes to the Pro Bowl and everything else. So they made a commitment to both sides of the ball that they and, – and, and Craig, if I'm not mistaken – all four of these guys we're talking about, they all played 16 games last year, right? And if you notice, they're all captains. Yes. Raiders a captain. Hudson's a captain. Adrian Green was a captain. J.J. Watt was a captain. We know the Cardinals put emphasis in the, in the draft. Now it's going to be a little bit different. Guys opted out. Maybe they weren't three-year captains, but these guys were one of the better. No special teams, obviously, and people say, well, he had the same kind of uh, com- uh, percentage as Zane Gonzalez. But the problem is, Zane just kind of lost it. I don't know what transpired. This guy's got experience, and the fact that he's older, um, he's going to get a chance to kick indoors where he was kicking, you know, on grass. He was going to be kicking on grass, and then so people ask, well, he's got, but this guy's got experience. He's, his 50-yard kicks are they're like money, um, you know. Again, kickers are going to miss, but he's brought in here to help this team win games. Um, where last year they couldn't win some of those close games.
0: Yeah, and experience matters. And I think it's really going to matter on that offensive line now yeah. because outside of right guard, where you're still somewhat of a question mark, is it going to be Justin Murray? Is it going to be potentially Mason Cole, Lamont Gilliard, whomever? You know, if we know that the center spot is Rodney Hudson, but who is going to be that? other player to fill out the five you know Josh Jones could he be in the mix we've heard Sean Kugler discuss his versatility talking about being able to play tackle or guard but you want that man in the middle to be the anchor and to control the line of scrimmage with the line calls and then from him out you get better and I think that experience is only going to help even a Justin Pugh who's experienced DJ Humphreys Calvin Beecham I mean that's you have veterans now four out of those five positions and even Hudson bringing up the experience factor when he was asked about being that leader he's like look you're always learning and he mentioned he can get better still even as he will be 32 once the season begins but i think not only does he make kyler murray better because now you've got an experienced center which we saw when aq shipley was snapping the ball to murray but he's going to make everyone on that line better and hold everyone accountable these new faces to your point mj they're all captains they all have resumes and i don't see it being a problem in that locker room to where if they say something someone's going to say well you just got here what do you know (laughs) i'm sorry you're talking about perennial all pros pro bowlers when they say something you had damn well better listen
1: well, and we we want, you know, I've been banging the drum, you know, uh, you know Kyler digging more in the playbook, but a lot of that they install and then they add new plays from one season to the other, but watching film. So there could be a play where Kyler goes to the line and, and Hudson sees something and he checks out of it for him. You know, there could be a, a signal. He hit the back the the pad on the side. So he's going to be able to be the eyes. Now, once the play starts, that's on Kyler. But, Craig, I think a lot of people were thinking – it could be up to three new linemen. I, I think right now, right now, I, I got to think Murray just based on experience. Um, he's going to go in there as your starting right guard. And then I think Elvin Beachum. I mean, they did retain him on bring him back. And he played all 16 games last year. And then Josh Jones will figure out if he could be a swing tackle. Um, you know, I, I still think he's more of a tackle, but they got more intel. and You're looking for flex, uh, position flexibility on game day so he can do two. Who's your backup center? Is that Gilliard? Is that going to be Max Garcia if they retain him? So, um, But I, I, we, they may only have one new starter, and I'm okay with that because when you start – and again, you know, Sweezy was there for two years, and then Murray started to play more. Um, you know, when Marcus Gilbert was out, Murray got a chance to play. So – um, you know, I'm good with only one new starter, just because the Murray will be in the system for his third year. Um, Beecham obviously has familiarity with Sean kugler Hump's been in the system now for his third year. Pew third year, and then you know Hudson's just plug and play guy. I mean, he'll start from day one. I mean, that, this is. I mean, they wanted to get better at the center spot, and they talked about competition. There's no competition here.
0: Oh no, no, there's. <laughs> <laughs> not not at all. It's it's although like hearing Kelvin Beecham say that he's here to compete and wouldn't even assume being the starter at right tackle. No, you're the starter at right tackle. Now, if you look at week one from 2020, okay. it will be two new starters. But I like what you said, because how the team ended in week 17, who are those five guys? Well, the only new face is gonna be the center position. Everyone else is coming back. And I think to your point now in year two for some of these guys or year three, yes, this matters. And you don't like to see a lot of change on your offensive line. And I still want, Maybe, you know, if we ever get the opportunity to to see these players and these coaches again face to face, (laughs) I do want a better explanation as far as this rotation that we saw on the offensive line. And I think it had more to do, based off what we've heard and what we've seen so far, probably more to do with not keeping guys fresh, but perhaps they weren't happy with the production that they were getting out of the center spot, out of the interior. And when Justin Pugh was on the sideline, I think a lot of that had to do with the number of penalties because that was the one thing that Pugh kept bringing up. He played well, General Manager Steve Keim on the record saying that Pugh had a good season, a great season, but he was penalized too many times to where I think maybe he lost some time and had to sit and maybe watch from a different vantage point. But I think it had more to do with a production or lack thereof, especially at center and right guard to where we saw some rotation, especially there late in the season,
1: and that was surprising to us. And, and you know, because again, I have to bring this up because we spoke to Joe Judge. Keep in mind, you know, um, they drafted An- Andrew Thomas fifth overall, and that's the game that Reddick got those five sacks. And so I understand why they were sub They were trying to figure out who's going to be the future. Now they get Nate Solder back, and you know they go out and get you know Kenny Galladay. So, but my thing was. Um, when you just start looking at the um, the offensive line as a whole, I mean, y- y- you want to have the same unit. So when they started rotating players, I-, I really think that Sweezy wore down. I really do. And and that listen, hats off to that guy, Craig, because every training camp he had the most sweat. He didn't he didn't take any drills off. I never seen him miss practice. Um, even when open uh, portion, he's sweating, and-, and we're only out there twenty minutes. So I, I-, I mean, it, it just father time and his body's been through so much. I mean, he's a really physical guy. So I thought he wore down a little bit. And then, you know, I never really noticed that because Pugh was playing well, but the penalties, we talk about, you know, they led the league in penalties and false starts and, you know, that first and 15 and, you know, second and 15 or something. So I didn't really Notice that I just know that, you know, t- down the stretch, they didn't run the ball as, as effective. And that could have been Kenyon Drake. That could have been maybe Chase Evans wasn't 100%, even though he tried to, st- you know, play through some injuries. Um, but I they weren't the same team down the stretch when it came to the physicality at the point of line of scrimmage. And when you're substituting like that, you just don't have the continuity. But, again, at the end of the day, I trust Kugler. And so, you know, he – he knows he's forgotten more football than I'll ever know, and I don't. And I mean that that he's got that much respect in the room. So there must have been a rhyme or reason. But I do think Sweezy was wearing down, and I think they wanted to start him and to see how long you can go, and then they would put somebody else in.
0: Sweezy was a very good signing and I think for two years was very, very good. But yes, you do lose a step or two, and maybe it did catch up to him, but he brought something that this offensive line desperately needed, and that was an attitude, that was a physicality, and a no-nonsense, I'm not going to take any BS from anyone because we were able, you know, under normal circumstances, able to go into the locker room or post game, and he was one of those guys that needed more than the 10 minutes at the end of the game to cool off. Always willing to speak, but you know what? Let me get my time to decompress and come to my senses. Some guys are fine immediately after a ball game. Others need a little bit more of that cooling off period. And Sweezy was one of those guys, but he was always accountable and was always one of those guys that put team first over himself. So to a certain extent, I'm going to be miss him if he doesn't come back. He's still on the market as we speak here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. But I do think he was a very solid addition for this offensive line and certainly did his part to improve that position. And the numbers, especially when we look at the running game and the number of sacks from last year to, or I should say from two years ago to last year, the drop was certainly noticeable.
1: And I, and I don't have the numbers in front of me and just because, you know, we know that Mason Cole had those four false starts and back-to-back games, and then we know that Hump had some uh, false start penalties and holding penalties. But I don't remember Sweezy's number being called that much. I mean, his claim to fame is he ran into Kyler Murray, right? He, he, he,
0: sacked, he sacked Kyler Murray a couple of years ago to the point <laughs> to where – A little bit later on you were able to joke with sweezy about that he was like yeah i just i ran into him so one of those 48 sacks in 2019 is on jr sweezy
1: no it was a perfect sign like i said i mean we don't know if somebody comes out with an injury you know he can come in and play and when you give a guy you know four or five months off the body starts to recover you start to get the itch i don't I would assume he wants to play but he's to a point now or probably going to be one-year deals how does that affect his family is he willing to go somewhere for five months you got kids involved and all that other stuff but no he he was he was steady he was solid i mean yeah i mean i didn't make pro bowls but i there were times
0: where i didn't think he was the weakest link you just wanted guys that if you're not noticing the offensive line they're doing their part because yeah. if you're not getting called out, I think J.R. Sweezy was was very, very good. Pro's pro. Yes, exactly. I, I, he was an absolute pro's pro for the Arizona Cardinals. And you just look to, at the end of the season, how do we get better? Well, the interior needed to improve and we all focused on the right side because it was the right guard that was that shuffling, whether it was Sweezy or Murray or back and forth, talking about Justin Murray going back and forth, and we're like, What what's going on? Sweezy's healthy, he's not hurt, but it's a production issue. Exactly.
1: And and you know, one thing that we didn't really talk we we talked about Hudson, I mean, can can you imagine him and Aaron Donald now?
0: Oh yes. And we know how dominating Donald is in the interior, but you look at a Rodney Hudson who, you know, you look, he was asked about how much he knew about the Cardinals. And I, I, I appreciate his honesty because look, you're in the AFC West. You're not seeing a lot of Cardinal film. I'm sorry. You're you're just not. Just
1: even on cutups. Like if you play an NFC team, the teams go back four games. When you play your, your same division teams, you see cutups. You don't, you only play four teams in the AFC this year, and it's the AFC uh, East. So you just don't have the cut-ups. Where when you play in the same conference, you'll get cut-ups because that team's playing you know, what 12 conference games and then four out-of-conference games. So,
0: he, yeah, he said he went to YouTube and started yeah. watching highlights. I'll give him credit. He's already doing his homework to figure out what this offense is like and the fact that they want to go up-tempo. He's like, yep, I'll be ready. I'm learning just like everyone else, but count me in week one. But yeah, that's going to be interesting because whether that's Donald on the outside against a DJ Humphreys or a Kelvin Beecham or interior, I, I'm i looking forward to those matchups now with the Rams. They don't... Now, they're still formidable, and I don't want to discount the Rams because while well, we know what the record is when the Cardinals play the Rams under head coach Cliff Kingsbury, we don't need to get into that right here in March. We will in September or October. But to see Aaron Donald and Rodney Hudson that is going to be a lot of fun because now all of a sudden you're matching best versus best.
1: And I like what you said. Now, Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator, uh, Wade didn't do this, and Wade obviously is a really successful coach, but I, you know, I think that uh, you know, maybe things are a lot different now when it comes to analytics and playing more you know, nickel and dime defense. So Staley comes in there, and now he's a head coach with the Chargers. He comes in and moves Aaron Donald around. And you made that reference to he was going against Humphreys um, in that Cardinal game. And that's what I think the Cardinals are going to do with J.J. Watt. They're going to move him around. I mean, yeah, you want to – I think J.J. Watt, if he doesn't face as many double teams, which he won't um, because you'll have other guys around him, but he can split the guard and center and knife through there for a tackle for loss. But if you want to move him around, same side as Chandler, that's where Vance is is going to be licking his chops. So it's going to be on both sides of the ball, but – I'm just looking for it, and, and listen, AQ Shipley, you know, he never looked the size, um, but he was squatty. He was he, – he, he reminds me of a keg. That's how strong he was. He, he, he didn't take any crap from anybody. He went against Aaron Donald. Yes, he may have gotten beaten from the physical – or just from the – you know, Aaron Donald being a little bit younger, but he stood in there, and you're going to get beat at times. But here, uh, with Rodney Hudson in there, it's going to be a little bit different where maybe Kyler – the offensive line won't get pushed back so much. Maybe he could step up in the pocket a little bit more, and a lot of it is to be predicated on the run game. But again, the addition of Watt, better run defense, the addition of Hudson, who will be making the line calls, they should be able to run the football and lean on teams when they get a lead
0: that horseshoe or that upside down you that pocket that we're talking about that you referenced i'm trying to remember you know i don't remember seeing it often although a lot of it was because murray just could scramble to the left or right and buy some extra time but as opposed to going backwards go forward and all of a sudden you want to be a pocket passer kyler that's what you keep telling us well step up in the pocket Yet maybe he wasn't able to, or didn't feel comfortable, because there was either no room, or if he moved up, now all of a sudden you're closer to an Aaron Donald, because those three guys in the interior weren't doing their job long enough.
1: And one of the things that Kyler, and I thought he improved from the first year. Remember the first year he was drifting, and he was drifting, and he was you know doing a 180 and getting out of it, and then you know he would try to run, and it'd be you know lose seven yards. when Mahomes did this in the Super Bowl too, maybe because he wasn't 100. percent But when you start drifting like that, it's. It, it, I mean, there. And, and Mahomes can make any throw. I think Kyler can make those similar throws. I don't know about 70 yards, but when you're drifting like that, you can't get your feet set. You're, you're kind of scrambling. It's a scramble drill, and you're hoping to come back to you. But here, and when they started playing that mush defense, where they were rushing up the field, but they weren't trying to sack him. They were trying to keep him in the pocket, and that's where you got to step up. But it, in fairness to Kyler, a lot of times that pocket was getting collapsed right by the center and guard. You know, every week was a little bit different uh, because I thought they protected the edges from the from the first year. That first month of the season, we talked about when you're going ten personnel. Uh, Cliff's first year and Kyler's first year, you got to protect the edges, and I thought they protected the edges much better last year. But again, the drifting part, he's he's dynamic enough to get out of that, but you're going backwards. You can't always do that
0: last point on rodney hudson and our colleague darren urban az asked the question because as we talked at the start of this show that yeah hudson is getting a lot of attention and you don't really get that if you're a center So Darren asked, you know, how do you feel about kind of being almost a fan favorite before you even put on the uniform? Because we're all excited, probably more than any other move outside of, to your point, a J.J. Watt. We're all focused on, hey, the center spot now. We've got a a Pro Bowl there three of the last five seasons, and I don't know what... You know, Hudson's relationship was with the Raiders and obviously there are no fans in attendance last season, but Hudson quote, when asked about being kind of like, you know, a topic of fan conversation said, quote, I guess it's a little gratifying, end quote. <laughs> you know, these offensive linemen, we are lucky to have DJ Humphreys, who's very media savvy. Hudson, not that he was uncomfortable or didn't want to talk. He certainly seemed to me, first impression, very businesslike and I want to do whatever it takes to be A, a good teammate, and B, and more importantly, get this team wins on Sundays and into the postseason. That, to me, was my first impression listening to Rodney Hudson.
1: Yeah, and you know, I, I think early in the uh, interview, Darren Urban from accardinals.com just asked what it's been like for you over the last 24 to forty hours, and you know, one, one minute he's asked to take a pay cut, according to reports. The next minute they're going to release him. Next minute we're going to try to trade you. And then, you know, Kansas City um, was trying to get in there, and I don't think that Mayock and Gruden wanted to trade him to a team inside the division. you got to think that's, you know, they went out and spent money on a couple of linemen, uh, but they need more tackles. But he had previously played there, so you didn't know about relationships. But I'm sure once he left there, Because they fly in, and then a lot of times they'll just fly back home and then figure out the off-season schedule. So I'm sure when the dust settles, he's going to get excited because, again, a guy in his 30s, he's going to practice on grass. Now the Raiders have a brand-new facility. It's the retractable, very similar, actually identical. They have the grass. But all those little things as you get older, and you know we'll see his practice habits, but it just seems like a guy that just goes to work every day and really doesn't need to get a pat on the back and just does his job
0: and improving as he gets older considering those three pro bowls are on the last five seasons it wasn't earlier in his career it's what have you done for me lately it was like well i'm getting into the Pro Bowl. So there is that talking about Rodney Hudson. Bird Gang, if you haven't already, we invite you to update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. We continue here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Switching gears to special teams and new kicker Matt Prater, I'm going to use a word, MJ, that you have used often here this offseason, and that is relationships. And we are hearing from players, yes, money is a factor, and it might be the top factor, might be the number one factor and the only factor for a lot of players. Yet at the same time, there is a segment of the player that will say, you know what, I've made my money, now I'm looking for one, where can I win? And in two, where do I feel comfortable? And we heard it from Kelvin Beecham when he mentioned that he would not have been here with the Arizona Cardinals a year ago and would not have played right tackle or come back this season if it wasn't for Sean Kugler. That speaks volumes. Here now, when we're talking about Matt Prater, his relationship, not only with Jeff Rogers, but how about Devin Fitzsimmons, the new assistant special teams coach and Which I forgot of and didn't know. Aaron Brewer was his long snapper when Prater was with the Broncos from 2012 to 2014, and was the long snapper when Prater kicked that record-breaking 64-yard field goal into the first half at Mile High Stadium. He brought up those three names. And then, of course, it doesn't hurt that yes, you're inside, you're on grass, but relationships matter, certainly for a veteran like a Matt Prater. Will be entering his fifteenth season in the National Football League.
1: Yeah, you know we. It's it's easy to look at Matt Prater's career and you know where, where was he, and then you look at Jeff Rogers, but Fitzsimmons is a new hire, and yeah, he was at Vanderbilt last year, but he spent a lot of time in Detroit. So I, you know, that again, and and people are asking me like, you know, he had the same similar percentage to Zane Gonzalez as I mentioned earlier. I'm like. This guy's got a ton of experience. They have intel. Kickers can kick to their thirty-nine. I'm not worried about that. Um, But you know, but he's got a job to do, and he he know he was asked. Do you know last year? And he said, Yeah, you know, my job is to come in here and win those
0: games for the Cardinals, and that's exactly why he's here. Here's some of the numbers from Prater last season, and I don't think he's going to run and hide from these or not. Seventy-five percent, he was good. Second lowest mark of his career. And he went four of seven from 40 to 49 yards. And that was the issue for Zane Gonzalez last year, that 40 to 49-yard range. Yet the difference is Prater has a resume. And I use that word a lot, Birdgang, because Zane Gonzalez was relatively new. Prater has been in these situations as far as game-winning kicks are concerned. And I just think last year for Prater, and I certainly think he believes this, last year was an anomaly and maybe it was time to move on and a change of scenery with the Detroit Lions, especially when you're the kicker and you miss more than you make, certainly in clutch situations, fan base turns on you, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, let's find someone else. And I think that's probably what happened with Zane Gonzalez. We need to see someone else running out there last two minutes for a game-winning kick. And remember, it was Prater who kicked the game winner to beat the Cardinals earlier in the season to give the Lions one of their few wins last season. He knows how to handle those situations, and more times than not, he's come through in the quote-unquote clutch. Please excuse us here, Kyle Lodegaard, but yes, there is such a thing that we believe in called clutch, and Matt Prater has been clutch his entire career. I like that resume. Matter of fact, according to the release, Prater is
1: also one of the top clutch NFL a kickers he's having connected on 22 game winning field goal attempts with less than 2 minutes or less than 2 minutes or less in the fourth quarter overtime 16 for 16 in regulation 6 for 6 in overtime
0: and his leg 59 makes from 50 or longer. And that, I don't think, you know, there's no substitute for that. And even if he is, you know, going to be 36, or excuse me, 37 in August, and when the season begins, you know, he keeps good care of himself. And I do think, to your point, weather, grass, indoors, that all factors into these players that the Cardinals have acquired this offseason as far as late 20s, early 30s, that matters to where all of a sudden maybe you feel four or five years younger because you're not having to deal with the elements or the hard surface and you just feel a little bit more comfortable and confident in your ability.
1: Yeah, I'm sure the players have you know nice places to live in Detroit, but every morning you got to get in that car and I'm sure they got ignition devices where it heats up, but you got to get to the facility. You still got to walk out of the car, get to the facility. Um, and his wife's from the area. She's a former Cardinals cheerleader, so I can imagine that conversation for the last couple of years. Is there any way you can get to Arizona? And they had Nugent. What well, was he? Thirty-eight, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and clearly, you're not rooting He's got to finish out his contract. But I, I could just imagine that conversation to where, is there any way you can get to Arizona at some point?
0: Yes, we're
1: going to get there when I'm 37
0: and I'm a free agent. Quoting Prater. My kids are so excited to come out here. Everything lined up perfectly for the entire family, end quote. You bring up his wife, Katie. She grew up in Arizona, former Cardinals cheerleader. His dad, Prater's father, works at a local veterans, uh, a, a VA hospital. And now all of a sudden, it seems like everyone is in one place, perhaps for the first time in a long time, so that's certainly going to matter at the end of the day when you go home and you got familiar surroundings, familiar faces, and everyone is happy where they're at.
1: Yeah, those kids got to be thrilled because they they would probably be stuck in, indoors right now playing video games, and here they can go outside. It's sunny. You know, they listen. He's made he's made a nice career. Uh, I'm sure Detroit uh, treat him with a lot of respect. Um, you know, it's just kickers. They come and go, but he, he spent a long, long time there. I mean, he's been in the league, what, past seven seasons with the Lions. He's This is the NFL 14th
0: year veteran. So um, that's a pretty long stay in one, in one city. A two-time Pro Bowler, including in 2013 when Jeff Rogers was his coach with the Denver Broncos. And doing a little bit more as far as a deep dive on Prater and his numbers. I just I found this interesting, and whether it means anything or not, MJ, maybe I'll let you figure this out. But Prater has never missed a kick. 11 of 11 on PATs, 11 of 11 on field goals, over six games against the Cardinals. So if you're the Cardinals, if you can't beat them, try to find a way to get them on your side. Can't beat them, join them. Have you and jo- then... He's been almost near perfect against the rest of the NFC West. 23 of 24 on PATs, 15 of 15 on field goals against the 49ers, Seahawks, and Rams combined. So yes, perhaps the Cardinals have solved their kicking woes at least for 2021 and 2022.
1: Okay, so you you labeled, in again... Splitting hairs, but you labeled Hudson as the best offseason pickup. I think it's one and one A. I guess I'm copping out there. And then I think uh, Marcus Golden is the most underrated signing just because of what the salary is and what he provides. What, 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 would you, what would you say went under the radar? Prater? Yeah, because you did or the need nature to f- of the position.
0: Yes. And you needed one, you needed to fill it. You need to figure out who's yeah. going to be your kicker and then fill it with someone who is going to be experienced in pressure situations because, you know, you don't want to single out one player or one play, but a kick here or there. And all of a sudden this Cardinals team, MJ, instead of having eight wins, nine, maybe 10 wins. And they're in the postseason as opposed to watching the playoffs. I think that's very fair. Now games don't come down to one play. It's an entire 60 minutes, but at the end of the game, Things get magnified and what do we focus on? Well, you made the kick or you didn't make the kick. You won the game or you didn't win the game. And you go, well, what happened most recently is, well, you missed that kick and all of a sudden you're walking off the field at Foxborough with a loss instead of a win, or you're walking off the field because you just beat the Seahawks in overtime on national television.
1: Yeah, I just hope Prater gets off to a good start. Make that first kick between forty and forty-nine. Right. I, mean, I remember. I remember it was at Sun Devil, and he kicked it short. And I, I, he again, I, I think he was dumbfounded why, because it would have been long enough. It's just short. And then there was times when you just didn't know if he was going to make it, and that's uncomfortable. And Cliff had to decide: Do I go for it here? Do I let him kick it? You know, because the only way he's going to get better is by going out there in that pressure time and kicking it. But. You know, then he ended up getting hurt, and then they they went with Nugent. But um, yeah, I, I, it was uncomfortable at times, just because they you, you, you always say games come down to five or six plays, but it's the last play of the game, though it, it, it plays a role. I mean, uh, but yeah, you know, the coaches will tell you after the game it should have never came down to that, and they're probably right. But if you're in position to win a game, that's 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 the NFL. It always comes down to the last five minutes. Usually, it's an eight-point game or a three-point game where you're within a score and a two-point conversion. Um, But that's the NFL, and they got to learn how to finish and win games. And We saw a little bit of that early in the season, but we didn't see that in the second half of the season.
0: Second question asked to Prater about those pressure situation kicks. Quote, there's no substitute for experience. I just treat those kicks like any other kick. I expect to make it. End quote. And let's hope that's happening this season.
1: Yeah, and... You know, again, you get down the red zone. We don't need 23, we don't need extra point kicks. We don't need those. You get down there, punch it in, but I feel comfortable if Cliff wants to go for it and he can rely on a guy if they don't get it on third down. Maybe they try for maybe a a bigger play where you know you can at least get points to go into half or something or just make sure you get in field goal range because, again, indoors, usually the first – maybe 6-7 games. Uh, the roof is closed just because of the heat. Um I w- I would love to see what he does in warmups. I have no problem at the end of the half if he wants to kick a 50-yarder where instead you got to try to throw it to the 10-yard line then you get could turn the ball over just get in field goal range because he's got the leg and he's got the experience and again he's been in a ton of pressure kicks, ton of them.
0: Yeah, it certainly might factor into how Kingsbury calls games, especially when you're right on that edge as far as do you go forward or do you allow someone to try to kick a long field goals? And as we mentioned, 59 kicks from 50 yards or longer. He's proven that. Of course, it depends on situation and weather and, you know, are you home or and you're on the road? How did you kicking pre-game and how did you kick during the game? So all of these factors in, and I do think the Cardinals have done a wonderful job here so far in free agency, yet there is still work to be done.
1: Yeah. Like for an example, let's say Cardinals got a, maybe a seven point lead and you know, they're at the 35 and they're trying to kill the clock down. And instead of trying to get a first down to kill the clock, then you just bring your field goal out. And now it's a 10 point game. So now it's a two possession game. You know, it's little things like that, where, Maybe they felt like, oh, we got to push him, on, but we need a touchdown here because, you know, early in the season, Zane was was off. So there's little factors. And if you can go up by 10, now all of a sudden they change it where you're not forced to uh, – maybe you go for three if you're down by 10. You go for three first because it's a long field goal, even though when you get down there, it's tough to get a touchdown on a two-point conversion. But I do think they'll have some other options where uh, they won't have to force a third or fourth down to go for it if they feel comfortable with their kicker.
0: Well, they certainly do feel comfortable with Prater because there was news late last week that with Prater signed, the team has released Brett Maher, who was signed to the practice squad in late December. He never appeared in a game, but he was still on the roster. But that now is no longer the case. And the Cardinals certainly, as we talk what is next, well... You can keep up to date on what happens in free agency, azcardinals.com slash free agency. Track all of the Cardinals' moves here this offseason because corner, what are we talking about? Uh, running, running back, backup right quarterback, in. you know, there's, and then some depth positions as well. But certainly corner, first and foremost, that potentially could be next on the shopping list, if you will.
1: Running back, corner, And I do think the Cardinals will sign a veteran corner, but I also think they're going to draft one, whether it's in the first or second round, it's it's deep. Um, This is the year if you're looking for running backs, wide receivers, or cornerbacks, it's deep. And you can also get some uh, offensive tackles, some interior guys. I don't know about pass rushes, which the Cardinals feel like with the addition of J.J. Watt retaining Marcus Golden, Chandler Jones coming back off of injury, hopefully Dennis Gardeck. Um, can return in the second half of the season. So, uh, where the Cardinals are sitting, I do think there's options in the draft. Now we know those are young players, and hopefully they get a preseason. But I do think they may have to double up at some of these positions. But you know they went out and, and really got four big ticket items by besides retaining their own players, tendering these guys. And so now I think there's just gonna wait for maybe the market to dry up a little bit and then start to see guys take one year deals. But they're always gonna, you know, try to turn that roster over. You can go to ninety. Um, and you gotta have once we get to the offseason workouts, you're gonna have to, you know, fill the roster out so you can have competition at every certain positions where
0: you're looking for guys. Well, what happens next? Once we know, we'll let you know here on Cardinals Cover 2. And on that note, we will sign off on, put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jurecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.